So welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and today we have an extremely special guest on the show. We have Carol Cox here of Speaking Your Brand, who is a treasured colleague, a professional mentor of mine, who has helped me so much with my thought leadership. And actually, this whole podcast is here because I was under her tutelage. And so I wanted her to come on the show. I've been saving Carol for a long time because I wanted to start off a new series on thought leadership. And there's no one else that I would want to feature about thought leadership than Carol, because she is the expert in this area. And you're going to learn so much from her. I cannot wait to get into the conversation. So without further ado, welcome, Carol. Thank you so much, Betsy. I am thrilled to be here and I listened to your podcast. You are a natural podcaster. So I'm so glad that the podcast came out of the Thought Leader Academy. Oh my gosh. Well, I would not be here if it wasn't for you. Um, I want to get into a whole conversation with you about thought leadership and what are the steps that somebody has to go through from sort of like being that newbie's, you know, world's best kept secret to thought leader. But before we get into it, I want to back up and talk a little bit about your background and how you started speaking your brand and why thought leadership is so important to you. Yeah, well, thank you. So I started speaking your brand back in 2015, really went full time within in 2017. So about six years ago, and I've had my podcast called Speaking Your Brand for over six years now as well. And I have always been a public speaker ever since high school. I was on the speech and debate team and then did speaking in college. And then in my early part of my career, I did a master's degree in history with a focus on women's history and then made a 90 degree turn into uh, technology and became a- That's I the know, logical it, path. That's how totally, historians totally go. Related. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So I became a software developer, worked with large companies as a consultant. This was about 20 years ago, and then did that for about 10 years, got burnt out on the coding and decided that I wanted to do something else. So I, that's when I started speaking your brand. But during the time in the tech industry, I always spoke at conferences, whether it was about technology or marketing or business models. And so when I was thinking about starting a new business, because I love being an entrepreneur, I thought, well where can I provide the most service? And people always said they enjoyed my presentation. So I thought, well, let me focus on public speaking for women entrepreneurs. And then that's where Speaking Your Brand was born. And this idea of thought leadership came out in 2020 during that that summer of 2020 when we had so much time to ourselves, took taking lots of long walks. And I started to ask our clients, how did they see Speaking Your Brand? Like, what did they see that we provided to them? And in those surveys and conversations, the idea of thought leadership came up to the top of the list, even though I never messaged or marketed thought leadership explicitly. And I thought, oh, this is actually what we're doing, even though we didn't realize it. And I know, Bessie, you're such a big proponent of talking to clients and doing the market scan. So that's exactly what we did. And that's why now we have really focused on thought leadership with public speaking as the main channel for thought leadership. That's so interesting. You know, we're we're going to talk more about, you know, some of your other emerging passions and how all of these things all come together. But um, I want to talk a little bit about just the, the whole idea of like coaching women. And then we'll get into like the thought leadership concept. Like what was it about women of all the audiences? How did you know, like this was your passion area? Like why women executives? Why women entrepreneurs? Why are they your your people, your tribe? Well, I, you know, I find this thread going back all the way to when I was younger. And I feel like so many of us have these threads and sometimes the threads maybe get a little frayed, but then they get stronger in different aspects of our careers and our lives. And so again, I studied women's history in undergraduate and graduate school. So I always 
was always looking for the women in the story. So literally looking for the women in history. And they were not prominent because that's not how history has been written up until more recently. And then I also was involved in politics in my early 30s. And so again, like having this being a woman with a very public voice and a very public presence, getting the a lot of opportunities, but then also facing the criticism backlash that comes with that. Mm. I started to recognize that even though I never... Like I knew I was a woman, but I never considered, I never really thought much about it in the early part of my career or in that much less in college. And then I realized, well, there are things that that are different, like how we are treated or how we are looked at is different, regardless of whether or not we would like it to be that way. And so I then started gravitating towards women entrepreneurship groups and associations. And so then I, when I decided to start speaking your brand, I knew that that's what I wanted to focus on because I got so much value out of being around other women and having that support system. Yeah. So there seems like it's not just about like, okay, people liked your presentations and they liked your ability, but there was this longer term passion around seeing the women in the story and seeing yourself as that woman who struggles with how you are perceived if you use your voice came together. And that's what birthed speaking your brand. Yes, but it was completely subconscious. That is, I did not put those pieces together until really maybe about a couple of years ago. So maybe five years into the journey of speaking your brand. And then I realized, oh, this is why I started it because I do want to encourage more women to use their voice. And I have seen that again, not, not only the opportunities, but also the struggles that we go through. So did you have like, it was just that you were following your intuition and then all the threads started coming together or how did you wind up like accidentally on the perfect path for you? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it was just, uh, again, I was around a lot of women entrepreneurs. And so I, I recognized the value of being in those types of communities. And so I thought, well, that's, those are the type, that's the type of community I want to create for the women that we work with as well. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the Thought Leader Academy a little bit. So I remember, I so I knew Diane before, actually, before I knew you, I wound up meeting Diane when I was giving a speech somewhere. So it's kind of ironic that it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be a speaker, which is interesting because Diane was telling me whenever, what was your Thought Leader Academy before it became Thought Leader Academy? What was it called? Master, it was called Master Your Speaking. Yes. Okay. So she had been reaching out to me regularly, like, Hey, do you want to join this? Do you want to join that? I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a speaker. And then all of a sudden there was a shift of the thought leader Academy. It took me a while until I was like halfway into the thought leader Academy. That's like, Hey, wait a minute. I've been speaking for a long time, but I actually met Diane at a speaking event that I was doing. But like, so is that part of that shift of like that clarity around like, okay, I'm not here to build women speakers. I'm here to build women thought leaders. Is that when you made that shift or what was it that just the survey or was there anything else that got you to see that shift in your strategy? A lot of it was the survey, listening to our clients and the language that they use. But also remember in 2020, when so many speaking engagements, all the in-person speaking engagements were canceled. Uh, you know, frankly, like selling programs about public speaking, it was just not going to work as well because right. all of those, I mean, yes, we're doing a lot of speaking virtually, but it's different than in person. You know, it's a different kind of like desire and motivation to improve your public speaking skills. So just from my business owner's point of view and a marketer's point of view, I knew I needed to shift the language and broaden out what we were doing, even though public speaking is still such a central component. 
But we have thought, you know, people who go through the Thought Leader Academy, who launch podcasts, who do LinkedIn live shows, who end up writing a book, they take what they've done and they create a program or a new business offering from it, in addition to the public speaking that they're doing. Yeah, but underneath it is a common mission around empowering women to use their voices. And it's like, when did that mission like really drop like into like, yeah, this is what we're all about. Because I definitely saw a shift that there was like, this is really clear that no matter what you do, it's got that heart at the core. Really, that heart has been there from the beginning. And, you know, because I look back at some of the very early workshops and presentations that I did in the first year or two, and that really, that was always there, this mission to empower women to use their voice. And I feel like the link, the explicit language developed in 2020 and 2021. We also did our Rable Beyond Live Virtual Summits, which were day-long online live events where we brought together 10 women speakers and they did TED style talks. And so like, I think it all started coalescing around these different events that we were doing. And so I would say like for the listeners, the lesson I take from there is take action and put out into the world Whatever it is you have an inkling to do, even if it feels messy, even if it feels imperfect, certainly what we were doing didn't feel like 100% like we had all we had it all figured it out. But the clarity came from putting it out into the world and seeing how people responded to it. Yeah. So it's like you were kind of a you went with in some ways of like, OK, this is what I think I should do. You put it out there and then the clarity in the language came later and then once you got the clarity in the language, like, okay, now everything's moving at a different pace, a different trajectory. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So um, some people might be concerned about like, okay, you know, that's good for you, Carol, but, you know, I'm so worried about, you know, if I niche down, like, what if nobody wants, you know, what if I'm excluding people or leaving people out? Like, how would you address that concern that people have? Well, Betsy, I think you're the best one to it. You're so good at this with your marketing and messaging uh, superpowers. And so, you know, there are, there are lots of other public speaking coaches out there, lots of public speaking courses and programs out there. A lot of them are by men, designed by men, facilitated by men, led by men. And I'm sure they do a great job, but they probably don't address a lot of the issues that we here talked about in our Thought Leader Academy calls about the fear, even the fear of doing posts on social media because of trolls coming through and saying really negative or nasty things, much less at public speaking engagements and wondering, are you going to get a dude in the audience who starts challenging you and makes it all about him instead of about why you're there? So those those are real concerns that women have and some women have experienced them. And so if you if you don't niche down, then how are you how is someone going to know that you are the right? solution for them, or you are the right coach for them, or you're the right consultant for them to lead them. Because if you can't validate to them that you understand what they're going through, you understand what, what concerns they have, what desires they have, what they want to accomplish, because you've been in their shoes, then I think it's harder to sell to them. Yeah, I agree with you completely. You know that, and I use you as an example all the time. It's that I believe that once you really kind of own that you know, empowering women's voices. I, I experienced it. It's because I'm a part of your community, you know, just the exponential growth. And I remember when we were at the intensive, when we were at the live event and we have all of these like-minded women who really want to change the world. And there was something that was really significant going on politically in the room and somebody saw it on their phone and we stopped everything. 
to acknowledge what was going on. And nobody was weird about it because there was like a tribe of commonality, you know, and just from a client perspective, it's just being around other people who, if you had a lot of different kind of people with a lot of different reasons why they wanted to speak, if they just wanted to speak to make a million dollars, if they just wanted to speak for whatever reason, it wouldn't have had the same impact, but you have a tribe of people you know, where it's like, I can't feel comfortable. I mean, I remember the, like, just being so in awe of all the speaking gifts that the people in your community have and feeling so intimidated. But at the same time, like, just could get 1% better because I'm just in this safe community. I don't have to get, I don't have to compete with everybody. I just have to get 1% better. And I get to be Mm. enjoying, like, I just learned so much from everybody. It totally changes the game versus if you had a different kind of tribe. Would you agree with that? Or is that Yes. And then you, and you hit on it, you know, this idea of safety and trust and, and feeling like you belong. And I, and I hope that's what we do here with our, with our different programs at speaking your brand, because if you think about just public speaking on the surface, sure, there's the skills and the tactics you can learn how to ask questions of your audience, how to make sure that you have a strong opening and a strong closing to your speech, how to reduce your nerves, like all those practical things. And yes, they're very important. And we, we want to make sure that, you're learning those skills and strategies, but there's a deeper part of public speaking, a deeper part of using your voice, a deeper part of thought leadership, which is really tapping into your inner truth. What matters to you? What are the stories and experiences that have shaped who you are in your life for good and bad? And tapping into those and being willing to share those with your audience is a lot harder than learning how to reduce your nerves when you're standing in front of a group of people or learning how to ask show of hands questions to your audience. And if we don't create that safe, trusted environment for the women we work with, they're not going to get to that deeper truth, which means they're less likely to have the impact on their audiences that they want to have, but really the less likely they're going to transform as individuals and to understand themselves better. So this is a perfect setup for my next questions, really getting into what does it mean to be a thought leader and how is it different than an expert speaker? Because it was interesting that as an expert speaker, I didn't feel, I don't feel vulnerable at all. Like when I'm, you know, when I'm standing up and, you know, I could, you know, corral a group of executives in any sort of strategic facilitation situation and I don't feel vulnerable at all. I feel like, oh, I'm perfectly fine because I got all these facts and ideas, but being a thought leader, it's a completely different you know, ball of wax there. How would you differentiate between, or what's the stages to get to, but what is, what's the difference between like, all right, I can facilitate a meeting. I can do a presentation in my corporate office. I can do a training program versus being a thought leader. Yes. So those, the facilitations, the presentations, there is definitely a time and place for those, of course, because you don't need to tell your entire life story when you're facilitating a meeting at work, right? Like there is, there are, there is a room for that skill set for sure. But if you desire to, to be a thought leader, it's because most likely there's kind of a three different things that are going on, maybe all at the same time, but at least one of these three. The first thing is that you recognize that there's change that needs to happen in your industry or in like the community that you're involved in. So you're knowing like things are not working. The quote unquote best practices that everyone talks about are not serving everyone. The, cha- the status quo is tired and old and needs to get changed. So you're like, you're seeing that, you know, you're starting to recognize that. So that's number one. The second thing that to recognize to for thought, be step into thought leadership is that you're bored 
giving your presentations because you've mastered the educational tactical elements that you've been presenting on probably for a while. Like you just know, you just don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. And then the third thing, as far as stepping into thought leadership is that you want to have a bigger impact on your audiences. There is always a time and place for educational kind of tactical content. And yet at the same time, you are then a commodity speaker, a commodity presenter in the sense that you can be interchanged with anyone else who talks on that topic. I can give you five tips on this topic or someone else can give the same or similar tips on that topic. So then now you are not differentiating yourself, which means you could be replaced or you can't charge as much for what you're doing. So then if you want to have a bigger impact on your audience and you want to make a difference, stepping into thought leadership is what's going to be required. Thought leadership does not mean that you have all the answers. This idea of challenging the status quo, seeking change in your industry does not mean you're coming down on high, right? With your like, with your list of 10 rules that everyone needs to adopt instead. Rather, thought leadership is being willing to ask questions of your audience, of your industry, of your community, to ask those bigger questions, to shine the spotlight in areas that have been dark for way too long and say, you know what? Things need to change here. Here are some ideas. Here are some possibilities. Let's make sure we're having conversations about this. And then you're 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 basically, you are stepping in as a, that's why the word leader is in there because you are a leader. You're paving the pathway, but you're not doing it alone. So it sounds like then the difference is with like being an expert speaker or an expert presenter versus a thought leader is an expert speaker is I've mastered, you know, whatever this topic is. And so I'm considered like, okay, I know a lot about this particular area and I might know a little bit more about this particular area than somebody else. That's an expert. Mm-hmm. Being over here as a thought leader is like, hey, wait a minute, I might have some contrarian points of view about these, the way the industry actually is. And so I'm going to poke holes at what either is missing or put a different perspective on it. That's the big difference. Yes, exactly. And then also with thought leadership, you're bringing in some of those personal experiences, kind of those hard won life lessons or the things that you've experienced in your life. Again, it doesn't have to be big T traumatic experiences. Doesn't even have to be little T traumatic experiences, but what has brought you to where you are today, to the work you do and in your mission and why you do the work that you do. Yeah. So the thought leadership is it's a lot more personal. Like there's a reason why I think something's got to change. You know, there's a reason why I have like that Popeye moment, you know, where Popeye gets all like annoyed at some point. It's like, that's all I can't stand. I can't stand no more, you know? So a thought leader gets to that point. It's like, yeah, but there's a big reason. Like Popeye always gets annoyed because olive oil, you know, it's like whenever something happens to olive oil, that's when he gets all mad. Similar for us. It's like, it's got to be a reason why, like, hey, that shouldn't be. And now I, and I have personal vested reason why I care about this. Yes, absolutely. So if if I can share an example for you, Betsy, this may be helpful to the listeners as well. And I know we were chatting before we hit record about ChatGPT and these new AI tools that are rapidly transforming the way that we work and they'll continue to transform the way that we work. And as I mentioned, I have a background in technology. I was a software developer, but many moons ago, and I haven't been in the space for about 10 years. But when ChatGPT came out and I got my little hands on it, I was excited again about the possibilities that this technology can bring. So we started right away in during the last holiday break, figuring out how we can integrate AI into speaking your brand, into our business model and provide some other apps and opportunities to our clients. And so I'm now in, in 
submitting for speaking engagements related to AI as a thought leader. Now, I'm not an AI computer scientist. I'm not an AI researcher. I don't work at an AI company, but I'm doing so because I have a unique perspective. And that is, I want to make sure women's voices are in these AI large language models that are being developed. Because what the large language models have done, like OpenAI's ChatGBT, they've sucked up all the data on the internet, all the books that have been written, news articles, social media posts, YouTube videos, like everything on the internet. Well, most of it has been written by men. And a lot of it is sexist and misogynist and racist. Now, I know they put guardrails and they've done a, they've done a great job and making sure that the responses that come back, you know, are 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 appropriate, but still it's it's mainly men's voices, men's experiences, men's perspectives. So I want to make sure women are are have as you know 50-50 of a role in these large language models as the men do. Yeah, but this feels completely congruent to your background. Right, exactly. So I found See, those different angles and pieces and put them together into this larger thought leadership message. Yeah, and I think what I like about it is it's still it's still another expression of the core mission. The core mission is to empower women's voices. What you're best at and your abilities are is there's like a storytelling element in your ability to give presentations, but what I experienced from you is still that engineering kind of mind is like you still have that step by step. Like you still are that that type of person who can guide people in this way. So the chat GPT makes perfect sense because you're all about the productivity and all of back end, which by the way is interesting. Sidebar, I did a um I did a podcast interview with Sarah, who's the Enneagram person, and she said you're an Enneagram five. I'm like, really? Yes. That makes sense. Like it's a five with the four wing, which goes back to like this is your core personality of like figuring out how to optimize the, you know, the business behind the business. This makes perfect sense that you would do that. So I hope yes. you do. Okay, but going back to the original thing that we were talking about. So for you as a thought leader, is that you're putting your own spin on it. So for you, you see that there's an area of opportunity within ChatGPT around how to make sure that women's voices are captured in that. So that is your thought leadership is like, everybody might be thinking, yay, yay, this is a great tool, but you're like, mm, there's this one perspective. Exactly. Yes. And so again, I want, as a thought leader, I want to make sure these conversations are happening. I don't have the answers. I don't develop large language models. You know, I'm not going to be, I'm not a, machine, a data scientist, but I want to make sure these conversations are happening. That is so interesting. Okay. So I love what you're doing around that part. And I love the differentiation. Um, is it just something like where are you, you know, if you've always been a contrarian thinker, you know, that you're kind of like well primed to be a thought leader or is there a progressive kind of like, you know, it's the evolution of how somebody who winds up in the idea content creation space, are they going to wind up there at some point anyway? That's a good question. I think it's both. I think it, you know, if someone naturally is the type of thinker who is looking for what else is possible, okay, like, you know, just not satisfied with the status quo, for sure. I think they gravitate towards thought leadership naturally. For those maybe who that's not their default personality, again, I think come back to at some point, you're, you have mastered your area of expertise. You've mastered your topic. You've mastered the work that you do. And maybe for some people, they're fine just, just staying there. But I feel like for some, at least for so many of the women that we work with, they enjoy learning. They enjoy developing themselves. They enjoy understanding like what more can they do with, with, with the impact that they want to have. 
So is it something like that happens might be a like midlife of saying, all right, I've moved from success to significance. And as part of my significance is I want to make a difference in an area that might have um, might not be might be overlooked or maybe not, you know, overdone in a particular way. Is it like I'm in my significance time period of my career? I think that that holds true because for in your 20s and 30s, you are still mastering your career, your area of expertise whatever it happens to be. And then when you finally, when you get into your forties and you realize, okay, yes, I've done all this. I understand this really well. And then you can start seeing those areas that can be improved because you have enough wisdom and life experience to look back and realize, oh, like that happened to me. I see now why I would like to change this for other people who maybe end up in that place too. Yeah. I see that with a lot of my clients where they're like, all right, I've been I've been in corporate for a while. I want to leave corporate because there's some things that aren't there, but I want to go back and help corporate and people who are there. Is it more of like that kind of heroic journey of, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to have these lessons and I want to go back with my elixir and go help the tribe. Is that part of that whole mix? Okay. Yes. And I have an, an update to the hero's journey. I did an episode on this on my podcast back in April. Uh, we did a series on called Marketing is Changing. And I said, why we're ditching the hero's journey. Is it the hero journey that I've been begging you to do? So it is. So what now I didn't get into specifics on the heroine's journey in that episode. But really what I said in there was that the hero's journey, the issues with that, at least from a marketing perspective, at least, is that it's very individualistic. So it's like you as a potential client, you know, you have these problems, you need to fix it. We're the company, we'll provide you with a solution or, or what have you, but still like it's on you. It's very, it's so isolating. Honestly, it's exhausting. I don't want to be the hero anymore in my life. Like it's, it's too tiring. Instead, what we really need to see is more of the collective. Not only, you know, we have uh, being, having a co collective solutions, not only in our businesses and the work that we're doing. And I don't mean that you have to run a group program or run a community, but more it's like this idea of partnering with your clients rather than giving like giving them a whole bunch of stuff and be like, here, you're the hero. You can figure it out on your own. But instead of partnering with them. And then also the reason to, to ditch the hero's journey is that we have collective problems that we need to solve together, where it's climate change, income inequality, the rise of AI tools, and the impact that's going to have on work. Individual solutions are not going to cut it. And I feel like the hero's journey has we have so over-indexed on individualism that we need to swing back towards collectivism. Actually, can okay, I push back a little on that? Yeah, go ahead. Because in my experience with the hero's journey, what I love about it, and I, I know that there's a difference with the hero, the heroine's journey that it's being written right now. But one of the things that you notice in all of the movies with the heroes is they always have friends. Like they all go out alone and then they always meet people. Like Luke meets, you know, Leia and Han and they all solve the problems together. I wonder if it's not like the heroic journey in how it actually is in myths and stories, but it's like how we are portraying the idea of the hero that they're alone. Because I don't know if as humans, we were ever meant to be figuring it out on our own. Like we were always supposed to have companions. I think that's why, you know, group programs are really powerful. It's why I started a group community is because that group support is so different than just the mentor telling you like, do this, do this, do this. So I wonder if it's not that the hero, the hero, the heroic journey is off, but how we've interpreted the hero's journey that we think we should be doing it on our own, or maybe it's like our American rugged individualism. It is definitely related to our American culture of you know 
individualism, capitalism, right? All of that. I definitely, that's where I feel like we've over-indexed on that. And the, I would have to go back to Joseph Campbell's work to read about the hero's journey that he found in all of those different cultures, you know, across time and how much the collective was actually a part of the hero's journey. But so that would be interesting to go back to. But I just feel like in our minds, you know, as a marketer using the hero's journey framework, I feel like we have focused so much on client, here's your problem. Here's the fix. Like, why are you having this problem? Go fix it on your own. Almost like we're blaming them for having yeah. the problem in the first place versus the empathy and the validation of like, you you have done so much. Like, you want something else? We're here to help you with that. Yeah. And we're in this together. Like, I think mm -hmm. one of the things that consultants and coaches worry about is like, we think we're supposed to be like a hundred steps in front of our clients, but it's like, we just need to be one step just one step, not much more than one step. It could even be a half step and you could still help people. Yes. So sure. it's like, we're doing this together. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about stories. And so um, I want to go back to what you saw also said about like the story part of that. That is what makes a hero, uh, not hero, a thought leader that's different. Like, why is it so important that as a thought leader that you are connected to story and that you have arsenals of story and you're connected to your own story. Why is that important as a thought leader? Because if you get on a stage or get in front of a group of people, and again, you're just sharing kind of educational or kind of like expertise type of content. I, I Number one, I just feel like you don't really truly connect with your audience. It's not very memorable. It's not very engaging to them. And really like the AIs are the experts now, <laughs> like they've got us beat, like they know, they know everything in an instant more so than we. So I think really we need to double down on what makes us human. And it's our human experiences and stories that make us human and connect us with each other and help us to, to normalize what we're going through. And so if I, you know, I think I use this example a lot, uh, but you know, on my podcast and in the work that I do. So I have a client, Tammy Lally, who did her TEDx talk in 2017 on money shame. And she could have stood on that TEDx stage and talked about, you know, if you're having shame around money or you're in a bad financial place, make sure you have a budget and cut out the extras and, you know, double down on your savings, like all the things that someone, you know, practical and an expert, a financial expert would share. And she knew that that was not what was going to connect her with her audience and have the impact that she wanted to have. So instead, she shared a very vulnerable and sadly tragic story about her family. And that's what she opened with. And it immediately connected her with her audience because of that personal story. And then she connected it to the universal of this idea of money shame and how it could show up in your life. And because she did that, she now has over 2 million views on that TEDx talk, which is extraordinary. Wow. And it really transformed her life professionally, but also personally. If she hadn't done that personal story, it just would have been like every other talk out there with financial advice. And it, and it wouldn't have had that effect on the audience, but I really feel like it wouldn't have transformed her as a person to help her understand herself better and, and what happened. Do you think Brene Brown would be Brene Brown if she didn't talk about her personal experience with her research? No, not at all. I think that's what really catapulted her. If you go back and listen to her very first TEDx talk, she talks about going to a therapist. Like she's funny too. She talks about going to her therapist and be like, oh, me? Like I'm the one who has issues with shame and vulnerability too. And, and it was instantly relatable to her audience. 
So do you know any thought leader that doesn't connect with their story? Because I can't really think of any that don't, don't have a personal connection with their topic area. I think there, well, there are probably people out there who are well-known and who are, you know, successful in what they do, whether or not they share their stories or whether or not we would consider them thought leaders. I don't know, it's up to them. Like you can, you can put thought leader on yourself or on someone else or not. And, you know, that's, that's, it's obviously up to you to do that. So I think there are successful people who don't do that, who run businesses. And yet I find, if I, even if I look at them at some point in their business trajectory, they too get bored with the surface level and they will start talking about their stories. Hmm. How do you get somebody past that vulnerability? You know, of like, I don't, you know, nobody wants to hear my story. Nobody wants to hear my dirty laundry. Nobody wants to see yeah. my, my pain or even my thought process. Like they just want to hear the facts. Like, how would you address that? Well, so we do it in our Thought Leader Academy group calls. So, you know, we have it where they're sharing what they're working on. We have them, you know, kind of ideate through whatever their story is or whatever their message is. So that we, we make them do it on the calls because we know the power of literally saying it out loud and they get a lot of validation and, and feedback from us when they do that. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is we encourage them to go up there and do podcast interviews, do LinkedIn live shows do smaller scale speaking engagements where they are putting this content out, their personal stories out and see what happens. And I always tell them like, if you don't like it, if it, you know, if you feel like it it wasn't, it wasn't the right fit or wasn't the right fit for you, then you don't have to continue to do it by all means, but at least try it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I loved at the Thought Leader Academy is like the first day that we went around and we introduced ourselves and it's like, everybody really shared that some sort of story, you know, some sort of like difficulty that got them to that place. And it was like, oh, okay, I'm not really alone, you know? And I think that a lot of us, especially those of us who are public and what we do with our content is we think we need to have all of our crap together, you know, in order to make a difference. It's like, I can't tell my story because then people are going to know I don't have all my crap together. You know, how, what would, what words would you use to explain that to somebody if they're thinking that, how would you encourage somebody who might have that that limiting belief. I would say, uh, take my example as, as instructive. So as I mentioned, I've had my podcast for six years. So since early 2017, and it wasn't until 2020. So over three years into the podcast where I finally started sharing more personal stories. Well, I had been done maybe one or two before that. And then I finally did. And then I had potential clients who ended up becoming actual clients who said to me, Carol, thank you so much for sharing that because I thought you were perfect or you seemed like you had everything together. And therefore I didn't think you could relate to me. Mm. So I was hesitant about working with you. Wow. And I'm like, oh, by all means, not perfect. Do not have everything together. Have made plenty of mistakes. have had plenty of heartache and disappointment and lessons learned. But if we never share those, and again, like our potential clients wonder, well, how how could she understand me? Mm -hmm. I think that there's something about like walking up to the line of dealing with content and having the meltdowns and then pushing past them. And then it's almost like the story that that was in your way you know, starts becoming like the, I think we talked about it on your podcast. Yes. It's like what yes. was in your way became the way. I mean, I remember the first time I was doing videos, like the the idea of being on camera and doing the teleprompter and all of that. It's like, I had a total meltdown. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then I did. And then, you know, that kicked me into my initial content creation journey. 
but also just even walking up to it and speaking and the fact that I have a podcast now and it's like I tell my story relatively freely, you know, it's, it's because I kind of walked up to that line. You know, is there anything that you would suggest when somebody's like walking up to the line of like, okay, how do you just keep going just two steps further and you you could do it? Like, what would you say? Just yeah. like two steps, you could do it. Yeah. Well, find a support system, you know, to help you, whether it's one person or, you know, it's a community, whether, you know, uh, whether it's your program, Betsy or, or mine or someone else's out there. So find that support system to help encourage you and to help, you know, keep you in, in momentum, like keep you moving forward. The other thing is no, to know that vulnerability hangovers are a thing. You may experience them. I know I have experienced them. Many of us do. And so what I tell myself is that it is normal, to, just like when you drink alcohol, it's probably normal to have a hangover. Just like when you share something that feels really vulnerable, you're going to have a hangover. You're going to wonder, oh, I shared too much. Should I have done that? What are people going to think about me? Are they going to think less of me? So like put a little sticky note on your laptop or monitor it says it is normal. This will pass in a day or two, and then you'll be really glad that you did. I think one of the things too, I would add to that is like, it's like anticipate that they anticipate that the vulnerability hangover is real and, but plan in advance that it's going to happen. Like, so normalize it yes. and say, okay, that's cool. Cause I'm probably on the right track. Cause I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. And I think the other things that you and I both do in our approaches that I think um, might help is that you and I are step-by-step -step kind of people with templates and tools. And I think that there's something about like, okay, there's this huge thing and I got all this vulnerability and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go out there. But if somebody has like a step-by-step, -step, like, no, just do this, you know, just do this one thing, figure this one thing out. And then, okay, here's a template and a script that you could try out until you get comfortable, you know? And I think that that also could help because I think it reduces the fear of the unknown, but also gives you little wins along the way. Oh None yeah, that's, that's very true. Yes, very true, Bessie. And I know you're really good at the scripts and the templates for your no, clients. No, you are. You're really good at the scripts and the templates. <laughs> this is where you and I are like, we have so much in common. Yes. It's like, there's all these little weird things. Like I was a history major too. And it's like, our brains are kind of worked, but I don't have the technology thing, like, you know, to the same extent that you do. So let's talk about technology for a second. And um, so I, is that what would you say is the biggest trend that's affecting content creation and thought leadership is the AI tools and the chat GPTs and all that? Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, if you know, I know you've been working with ChatGPT. We have, I'm sure many of your listeners have as well. And you can just see not only the productivity gain, so how much faster you can write, you know, a first draft of a blog post or an email or or video transcript or whatever it happens to be, but then also like doing things that maybe you haven't thought of before. It will it can write facilitator guides, it can write course outlines, it can write uh, like, you know, well, pod the podcast, the transcripts for the podcast are not, are not that great. Like they're, it's still a little bit hokey, right? Like it, it doesn't quite have that down yet. It can do speaking proposals. It can do, I mean, like I've had it try to have it write speeches, like executive keynote speeches. And it is as corny and as predictable and as obvious as you can imagine. So I would not say it has a little room for improvement there. It needs, it needs our framework and needs our speaking your brand framework to make it better. But there are so many things to do with it. So you have the productivity gains, but also I believe will help us to be more creative because now I'm, I'm seeing how it puts together content and I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that before. You know, let me kind of like see now if I kind of go down here, what else can it do? in this area or how the, now does this give me some more ideas? Like it helps me brainstorm ideas for podcast episodes that I haven't necessarily 
thought of. So I feel like it's a it's a productivity enhancement. It's also a creativity assistant. The other thing that I see with it is that it's really going to change kind of workflow workflows in our work. So in a long so Chat GPT right now is very much like. You ask a question, it gives an answer. You ask a question, it gives an answer, like a ping pong back and forth. Well, now they're doing these things called agents where you can task the GPT and say, imagine that you're a marketing assistant and that you are being tasked with creating a new offer called XYZ. Please create a complete marketing plan for it and execute it. And it can go off and it's not here yet. It will be here this year, but it can go through and tell you all the tasks it would do market research, course outline, landing page, Facebook ads, like it will do the whole thing and it will tell you all the copy to put. And the next step, again, which is coming this year, is it will actually go and do those things. Go create the webpage, go write the emails, go write the course content, go put everything together literally in a matter of minutes. Wow. <laughs> so so how do like what's going to happen to the individual who's going to use that whole tool, you know, and their own creativity and like the human to human connection in the middle of that whole thing? I don't know. It is. I don't know. I honestly do not know what we're going to be looking at in six months from year from now or 12 months from now, much less three to five years from now. I think that I think I love chat GPT. It's like my little copywriter, you know, my little junior copywriter. And it's like on the plus side, like I can get, I can get three pages of website done in two and a half hours, you know, if somebody's really gone through the brand building process with me and I get all that information. But the downside that I worry about is like the synapse connections that are in my brain that help me create content relatively quickly, you know, in my own creativity and that whole consultation with my own inner wisdom that I might be more tempted to go to AI instead of like, even like, cause I played around with it. I'm like, Hey, my daughter's doing X, Y, and Z, any tips on dealing with an adult child, you know, and instead of tapping into my own inner wisdom, it's like, Oh, chat GPT told me to do that. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, Oh, but I'm a little scared because I'm going to get lazy. You know, do you have any concerns about the creative, you know, being a, a person who's creative, for a living, you know, is it going to have a negative impact on our creativity? It could. I think it will change what we decide to to be creative about and where we decide to use our own brain power. If we think about it, you know, 20, 30 years ago, or at least or more than that, when I was growing up, I knew by heart lots of people's phone numbers. Now True. I know my own phone number. I know my husband's phone number. I don't even think I know my mom's phone number by heart. And that's it because we've decided that's not a good use of our brain power. So we've outsourced that to our devices. Same thing with looking up lots of information. We can ask Google, we can ask, you know, Alexa, Siri, what have you. And so I feel like we did that and probably our memories are worse off in some ways that they used to be, but we gained something else because then we, now we have room to do other things with our right. memory and our creativity. That's true. That's a good point. I forgot about all of those synapse connections we let go follow, you know, like, I think you're right. I don't only know like three phone numbers and that's it. And I don't even think my husband knows my phone number and it makes me worried. <laughs> like, what if you right. lose your phone? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we just get that one tattooed somewhere. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a little scary. So, um, so what would you say to someone who, you know, really wants to go like, like, would you say that ChatGPT relates to helping you with your content creation or does ChatGPT help you with your thought leadership or is it one and the same? Mm. 
I think it can help with a lot of different things. So we can, you can ask it, like if you can tell it a story, like maybe you have a life experience, a life story, like, you know, maybe you put like a paragraph in about this experience you had one day in your life that was meaningful to you. And then you want to, you can ask it like, what lessons could I draw from the story for my audience? And it will come up with like three or four different kind of lessons or themes you could draw from it. So you could use it for that. You can ask it. I've asked it before, like what, you know, what are some speaking topics that I can do around AI and gender or AI and women's voices? And it comes up similar to what I have thought about already, but it comes up with, with things like that. So you can definitely use it for that. But in addition to work, I was reading an article recently about how ChatGPT is transforming housework. So in the home, and a, a lot of people are using it to plan summer camps for their kids, you know, trying to figure out like, if this is our summer schedule, how can we find three or four summer camps that have the right dates that don't overlap, but that like are consecutive to each other and then basically put it in there and it goes and finds and creates the whole schedule. Like, so there are a lot of things that it can do that we, so what I do now, my practice is every time I want to do something, I have a thought in my head, like, oh, I want to go do this, or I want to think about this. I go see if I can find a way to ask ChatGPT it. Not so that I don't have to do it anymore, but I want to see what it comes back with. So I think that the the rule of thumb then is you still need to get expert frameworks on how to think about different things. Like I could write website copy in two and a half hours because I already have the frameworks. Like I know what websites are supposed to do. I know what the templates are supposed to be. And I know what I want my chat GPT rather than if I outsource the whole thing to chat GPT, you're not going to get good results. And I think that Google will punish you if it, if it knows that you are writing your website copy strictly from AI. So you have to be careful on that, but it's like, you still can't give up being, you know, sort of like you're, it's still, you're the executive, you know, you're the CEO, you might still Mm -hmm. have it as one of your direct reports, but it's not going to, you can't let it lead you. You have to lead it. Yes. And you made an excellent point about frameworks, Betsy. And so you have a framework for how you think about writing marketing messaging and, and website copy. We have a framework too. So the reason why we can do a three hour VIP day with a client and map out their talk from beginning to end, it's not because I'm making it up on the fly. It's because we have a very structured framework that obviously provides a lot of flexibility, but that takes, takes us through the beginning of the talk to the end. And so Someone who just asked ChatGPT to write them a speech or write them a presentation, again, it's going to be a little hokey. It's going to be a little bit generic. It's not going to have the same depth that it will be if we are using it through our framework with our guidance and the same thing like as you've been describing, Betsy, with the copywriting work that you do. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let's just talk like real quick, because I know we're kind of getting close to the end of our time. Um, if somebody's wanting to move, so if you're a brand new consultant or coach and you want to either start your business with thought leadership in mind, or if you have been doing it for a while and it's like, it is time to take that next step. Like, what would you say is the two to three things that somebody can do to start moving towards this thought leadership journey? Mm-hmm. Start creating content and putting it out into the world. If you love to write, write write articles, post them on LinkedIn, post them on your website, maybe you know pitch them to publications to get them published there. If you like to talk, <laughs> maybe launch a podcast or a LinkedIn live show. Obviously do speaking engagements. The reason is because if you keep it all in your head, it's never going to make sense, number one, because you're going to keep swirling around. Number two, like you need to put the ideas out into the world to see what audiences are interested in and what resonate with them. So pick pick that channel that is most meaningful to you, that you like, that your communication style and start there. 
Yeah. So just like start producing. So it's like in some ways, like one of the things that I'm launching is a content marketing accelerator where it's like, all right, let's just get comfortable, maybe not in the vulnerable stuff like you help people do with the TED Talks and the signature talks, but just start writing something, figure out some keywords. What are people searching for? Write some blogs. That's what we're going to do in the content marketing accelerator kind of thing. Like just get found online, start getting used to that whole process, basics. And then when you're ready to take those bigger stages, do those signature talks, do the, be the next Tammy Lally, you know, and have that kind of thing, then they should join the Thought Leader Academy, surround yourself with other people. And I think that's why the Thought Leader Academy, I'm sure your one-on-ones are really powerful. I imagine the one-on-ones plus the Thought Leader Academy, it's like one plus one equals a 50 billion because of the container. Is that with, if that's accurate, would you say that that is the difference maker with the Thought Leader Academy versus just working one-on-one? Yeah. So in the Thought Leader Academy, it's group calls plus a one-on-one VIP day. So you do get the best of both worlds. Now, occasionally we'll have women come to us where the thought we're in the midst of a Thought Leader Academy. The next one's not starting for a little while. They have a really important speaking engagement coming up in two or three weeks. And so they can't wait for the Thought Leader Academy. So then we'll just do the one-on-one VIP day with them because that's what they need right then and there. And then if they are interested, they can join our next cohort if that makes a, a, you know sense for them to do that. Yeah, so it seems like if you're just thinking about it or you're, you know, you want to move in that direction and you need that catalyst, like join the Thought Leader Academy because you're going to get the environment. It's a it's a little bit of a longer program. That's going to give me that container to push me into that thought leadership. But if I have an emerging um, an emergency opportunity, like one of my clients just landed her first key, um, big keynote and she's like, ah, and I'm like, Carol, you know, like right. so that was that was the conversation. It's like, ah. So if you're in that moment where it's like, this is my first paid one or even my first free one. And I got something or I got a TED talk. I got something really important. That's the time to call you up for a one-on-one kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about your app and what's coming up with your app and and who could benefit from the app that you're creating? Yes. So thank you so much for asking. So of course, as we talked about, I'm really enjoying getting to kind of work with these different AI apps and ChatGPT is great and it is getting better about, you know, style and voice and kind of, you know, making the language a little bit less generic. But as we talked about, it's still kind of sucked up everything on the internet. So that's what it's basing its, its wording on. And so what we did back in January is that I took all of the Speaking Your Brand content I've created. So podcast transcripts of my solo episodes, all the email newsletters I've sent out over the years, video training transcripts. So I took all of it, did a whole bunch of technical stuff uh, in the back end. And then basically- Because you could take the girl out of tech, but- yes, exactly. You can take the tech out of the girl. No so way. Did all this technical stuff behind the scenes. And then basically now I have an app where I can ask it to write a blog post, you know, about whatever topic, but it is doing it against my content solely using the large language model of that OpenAI has created. So all the amazingness that it can do with its wordsmithing, but it's basing it on my content. So now when I ask it to write a blog post about the top five tips for public speakers, it's going to do it based on what I've talked about over the years in the email newsletters and podcasts, it's not going to pull just five top you know, tips generically from the internet. So it's so much powerful for sales emails. Again, like it's my voice, it's my style, it's my content. So now we are, now that we've done that and we've kind of tested it and done the prototype for that, now we are going to other content creators and other companies and organizations that have a lot of content <laughs> and want the same thing where- 
yeah, chat GPT is great for certain things, but if, if you want to be able to ask it based on your own content, then this is the way to go. It's also really good for some a lot of companies who have proprietary kind of firewalled content that's not publicly accessible and they want to keep it that way, but they still want to be able to use something like ChatGPT against it. Beta, I want to be in the beta. Please, yes, please yes, sign me up. Yes. <laughs> okay, so for some of you who are listening who are brand new to content creation, you might not be quite ready for this whole thing. But if you have a big book of work, this would be great to be able to have, you know, that opportunity because that will speed things up and you don't have to worry about all of the other AI dings that Google might punish at some point because it's all in your own voice and you're not plagiarizing anything. It's your own, your own thing. I think there's a lot yes. of safeguards. That's really powerful. Yes, yeah, especially exactly. if you can get emails done very quickly too. Yes, because it, then it knows your offerings because like you've talked about your offerings and your emails or whatever content that you have. So it, it just knows you that much better. Yeah, that's really powerful. Okay, so how do people find you yes, and find okay, out about so, all of this? So go to speakingyourbrand.com slash quiz to take our speaker archetype quiz because that's going to let you know which of the four archetypes I've identified as far as communication styles you are. And the reason to do that is then you're also on our email list when you do that because then you're going to get the emails as we start rolling out some of these AI tools as well as enrollment for the Thought Leader Academy you'll see those in your email. So speakingyourbrand.com slash quiz. If you like listening to podcasts, jump on over to the Speaking Your Brand podcast. Betsy was on in episode 238, which was in August of 2021. So that was a fantastic episode called What's In Your Way Is Your Way to Your Thought Leadership, which we touched on a little bit here. And then I primarily hang out on LinkedIn. So I would love to connect with you there. Awesome. So is there anything else? Oh, by the way, I have to just add in another plug. Um, as it relates to a speaking coach and a program, I would probably say yours is completely unique than anything else, you know, because of your heart for women, the safe container you created, the step-by-step -step approaches. I cannot recommend it enough. I am, I, I'm in the tribe and I will always go. If I have a speak a speaking opportunity, you know, I will go nowhere else besides Carol. So I have to just give that extra endorsement. Sorry. Um, I know we're running out of almost out of time. Um, just one last wrap-up question. Um, is there anything else you want to tell me about thought leadership or speaking your brand? And I'm just not asking you the right questions. Well, again, you are a natural podcaster and a fantastic interviewer, Betsy. So you, I loved all of the questions and all of the different things that we talked about. The only thing I would say, and this relates to what we talked about in our mission here to empower more women, is that we need more women as thought leaders so that it is the expectation that women are quoted in the media, are asked to keynote on big stages, that are on panels at conferences that are having important conversations. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carol. Thank you for all of you who are listening in to this episode. This is a wrap. Um, definitely reach out to Carol if you want some help in becoming a thought leader. And definitely check out my new content marketing accelerator program. I'm very excited about it. I provide more of the basics and Carol will take you all the way to the thought leadership level. And um, until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end -end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.